Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, farm business option courses available in Clonakilty soon. We look at Dairy Day 2023. Winter housing of cattle, details with Ashling Malloy, Chogoskin Mallow. A survey of uh, agri-science students' salary expectations. And there is apparently a gender difference according to a recent report. A major conversation on farm forestry and what our government might do to speed up farmers in taking on forestry in their farms. Plus several other items. Details of a major upcoming IFA meeting in Clonakilty. Clonakilty IFA are organising a conference entitled Future Proofing the Dairy Industry. It'll be held in West Cork in Fernhill House Hotel Clonakilty, Monday, 27th of November, 8pm. Speakers on the evening will be Peter Clark of Borgosh Solar Energy. He'll give a presentation on installing solar panels, giving details of costs involved and payback, plus the TAMS grant application criteria. Dr. Onyo O'Connell, Secretary of the IFA Dairy Executive, will give a presentation on the nitrate situation and also will give an insight into the dairy markets. Seamus McMillan of Board Beer will give a presentation on calf trade moving forward. Dr. Jack Kennedy, editor of Irish Farmers Journal, will give his views on where the dairy industry is heading. There will also be a question and answer session after each speaker. IFA Clonakilty advise they'll also have Jason Hawkins, CEO of the Carberry Group. He'll join the speakers for a forum. There'll be occasions where it'll be open to the floor. All elected West Cork Oroctus members have been invited with the Chagas personnel and the CEOs of the four West Cork co-ops to attend. The organisers say this should be a good night's discussion and all stakeholders are invited to attend. And that's Clown Kilty organising a conference entitled Future Proofing the Dairy Industry. Venue, Fernhill House Hotel, Clown Kilty. The date, Monday, 27th of November, starting 8pm. Chagas Clown Kilty advise that a farm business options farm diversification course will take place in the Tower Room Chagas Arara Agricultural College, Clonakilty, Tuesday, 28th of November, from 10am to 4pm. This workshop is free of charge, but prior booking is essential with uh, Chagas Clonakilty at the following number, 023-886-3130. That's uh, Chagas Clonakilty, 023-886-3130. The farm business options include learning about a range of options to include rural tourism, food enterprises, forestry, guidelines on business planning and applying for grant aid, local farmers' experiences of the new alternative enterprise development. The workshop is free of charge and prior booking is essential. Location, the Tower Room Chagas Durara Agricultural College, Clonakilty, Tuesday, 28th of November, 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Sheep marts with a strong wholesaler butcher customer base are recording much more life in the lamb trade in recent days. 
Prices for top quality lambs are up by two euro to five euro ahead, with prices recorded for lambs weighing 50 kg to 55 kg, ranging from 105 euro to 110 euro with the weight. Marts with less activity from butcher wholesaler buyers or where store lambs entries dominate have not recorded the same lift, with prices for lambs weighing upwards of 50 kg remaining in the region of 98 euro to 102 euro with the weight. The firming end of the trade in recent weeks has come on the back of increased factory prices. Further information in this week's Irish Farmers Journal with Darren Carty, Sheep and Schemes Editor. Adam Woods, Deputy Editor and Beef Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, reports that factory agents are said to be scrambling for cattle supplies this week as Christmas orders ramp up. Prime cattle supplies are in free fall with over 4,000 fewer bullocks and heifers killed last week compared to four weeks ago. Adam writes that the supply-demand shift has meant factories have had to increase quotes by 10 cents a kg to 20 cents a kg in the last two weeks to secure cattle. Despite the increasing quotes, Ireland remains a long way behind the prices being paid in its main export markets. Our three heifers in France, for example, are quoted at €5.81 a kg, with UK heifers at €5.91 a kg, €1 a kg ahead of Irish prices. Further analysis with Alan Woods, Deputy Editor and Beef Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Coming up next, Miss Sarah McIntosh, Education Journalist with the Irish Farmers Journal, outlining details of the IFJ Agri-Career Survey, showing that there are lower salary expectations amongst female ag science students. That's next. In the Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 25th of November, 2023, the results of a recent survey on relative salary expectations of female agricultural science students compared to males is published. Miss Sarah McIntosh, education journalist with the Irish Farmers Journal. Sarah, welcome to the programme. Could you outline some of the main findings of the survey in question? Hi, John. Thanks, firstly, for having me on. I'm actually in court today at the Dairy um, Dairy Day here in, with Farmer's Journal. We had over 3,000 people at it, so it's great to actually be down in Cork and, and beyond. But, yeah, listen, I guess this week we have a big um, agri-job focus in the Farmer's Journal. It's from page 41 to 48. And the main the main reason behind the survey, um, the student survey, was we wanted to get students' opinions on the jobs market and whether they see a, um, a, a good career and a prospective career in the industry. And um, so, yeah, one of the main findings was was the lower salary expectations among female students. So, um, when asked what salary earnings they're expecting as as a graduate, um, only eleven percent of women. Um, female ag science students from first to fourth year indicated that they would expect over 45,000, which was the highest bracket, compared to their male peers who, who selected 39% of them said that they were expecting over 45,000. Um, so I guess it just highlights the, the gender pay gap in, in the agri sector and the expectations more so of, of young people coming into the sector um, at college level at the moment. When and where was this study carried out and how many approximately ag science students took part, would you say, Sarah? So we wanted to get a, um, a broad mix of ag science students, so we actually sent it out to, to all of the ag science um all of the colleges offering ag science courses 
so we got 221 um, students who completed the full survey. Um, 58% were female, 42% were male. Um, it was ca- conducted online, so it was through um, through Survey Monkey. But um, listen, I suppose like there was a, a range of students from first to fourth year who are studying ag science courses right now, and it, it was a good geographical mix of different colleges as well. Were the ag science students uh, you spoke to on dealt with online confident they had a bright future? Yes, they definitely were confident um, that they they had a bright future. When asked the outlook um, of the farming future, um, 57% of students said it was very positive. Um, 23% said neutral, 9% negative. Um, So that just gives a great indication that they're very positive about the future um, outlook of of the sector at the moment. Um, And they they also indicated um, it was 90, I think it was 93% of them indicated that they're hoping to stay in the agriculture industry after college again, which is very positive results. Now, looking at the litmus test, so to speak, did the students you spoke to or the students who responded online, did they expect employment at home or abroad, you know, relatively soon in their speciality in the ag science field, you know, following graduation? Yeah, so, John, we asked them what their plans were for immediately after college. Um, so 24% said that they wanted to go on to do further education and master's and PhDs, 19% said that they wanted to go on to do a graduate program, 24% industry job, 12% uh, said travel, and 17% hope to go straight into farming. And also of interest, uh, to give an insight into students' minds, the opinions of five students are published, and they represent quite a spread in sectors. But very interesting, they give their views, very incisive views, on the prospects for Irish agriculture, the different sectors. Yeah, definitely. We just uh, chose five five random ones. We decided to keep them anonymous. But listen, it gives their opinions on the sector and the, the future of the jobs um, in the agriculture industry. Um, some com- concerns there that can be seen on page 48. But overall, um, a very positive outlook, definitely, from uh, students studying ag science at the moment. And I understand, Sarah, speaking to Sarah McIntosh, the Irish Farmers Journal education correspondent. Sarah, speaking from Dairy Day 23, I understand education and training for the farming community was very much to the fore today in Cork at Parky Cleeve. Yeah, we're, we were here today and there was over 3,000 um, attendees, which was absolutely fantastic. And Katrina Marcy, our news correspondent, um, our deputy news editor, she led a great panel discussion on careers and the future um, career pathways in the dairy sector. Um, and to be honest, it was it was a very bright and um, optimistic uh, talk. There's plenty of opportunities. The AgriJobs Focus highlights um, as well that there, it's an employee's market at the moment. It's a great time to be coming out of ag science um, with an ag science degree coming out of college and like uh, as well in the survey we did a, um, an employment survey and over 84% of the companies said that they didn't de- decrease headcount in 2023 uh, and that they're all experiencing difficulties um, well 76% said they're experiencing difficulties filling roles so it just shows that there's huge amount of job opportunities out there and um, there's a huge amount of students that are interested and it was great to see so many young um, young students in the audience who are doing ag science at leaving cert level there was definitely um, a great buzz around around the careers panel today and it definitely highlighted different aspects and different routes into agriculture as well um, with the Chagas New Apprenticeships and UCC courses and things like that. That's wonderful, Sarah. Thank you very much for your valuable time. Thanks a million. Thanks so much, John. Thanks for having me on. 
On Thursday, 23rd of March, farmers and exhibitors from across the nation made their way to Parker Cueve in Cork for the Irish Farmers Journal Dairy Day 2023. 3,400 people enjoy the series of talks, seminars, competitions and exhibitors in the glorious Cork sunshine back on Thursday, 23rd of November. Irish Farmers Journal editor Jack Kennedy paid tribute to the event, saying that, quote, Dairy Day 2023 had been a tremendous success. It had been great, he said, to see farmers arrive in Parker Keeve on Thursday in their thousands, in total 3,400. Farmers, he said, had been engaging with the expert team with over 70 exhibitors all day on Thursday. The changes to nitrate derogation rules had been the topic of the day. It was no surprise to see that these talks had been particularly well attended. Journal editor Jack Kennedy thanks the Irish Farmers Journal team, journal partners, NDC, Borby and Arnua, and all of the exhibitors without whom Thursday's success would not have been possible, referring there to the 3,400 people who attended the Irish Farmers Journal organised Dairy Day 2023 held in Cork at Parker Keeve. Joining us on the farm programme, Miss Ashley Malloy, Future Beef Programme Advisor, Chagas Sandfield in Bellevue Mallow, County Cork. First of all, Ashley, welcome to the programme. Now, there are a number of upcoming events which you might like to remind our listeners about. So these upcoming events, uh, the dates and venues and something about the topics up for discussion. Yep, thanks, John, and thanks for having me. So um, the main one that's coming up is the Farm Business Options. It's a farm diversification um, or uh, course, I suppose you could say, that's been held in West Cork. And this will give options an options workshop for farm families. So they'll get to learn about a range of options that they can do on their farm to diversify a bit. So some of these might include rural tourism, food enterprises, forestry, etc. And they'll also get a bit of guidelines on the business planning around this and applying for any grant aid that's relevant. And they'll also get to talk to some local farmers and get their experiences of some of new alternative enterprise developments that they've taken on board on their farm. So it'll be located in the Tower Room in the, the Chagas Agricultural College in Clonakilty. It will be taking place on Tuesday the 28th of November and the time is 10 o'clock in the morning until half four in the evening. So the workshop itself is actually free of charge, but prior booking is essential. And in order to book in, um, people who are interested can contact Chagas Clonakilty on 023-886-3130. That's fine, Ashling. Would you please remind our listeners about that uh, very important phone number, the Chagas Clonakilty phone number, where people can register for this uh, upcoming event on Tuesday, 28th of November. But that phone number again, the Clon phone number, please. Yeah, it's 023 3130. Now, as we said at the start, you're involved in the Future Beef Programme. In fact, you're an advisor connected to the Future Beef Programme. What actually is the Future Beef Programme? And you might highlight your own role in this, Ashling. No problem, John. So the Future Beef Programme was officially launched back in December 2021. And it's a network of 22 commercial and two non-commercial um, farmers that are located around the country. And most of these are mainly suckler farms, but there's variation in them in that some of them are, are just rearing dairy, um, dairy beef calves. Some are producing weanlings, some are finishing cattle, some are selling stores, but they're located all around the country. And the local ones to us in County Cork are William Kingston, who's located in Inchengarig in German League, with Princess Creedon in Clondra Hidden McCroom. Sir Maxine is located in Touring Bond Mill Street. 
Keo Sullivan, who's one of our two organic farmers, is located in Horn Abbey, just outside Mallow. And we've Ed Curtin, who's in Whelan, just outside Newmarket. And I suppose when the ribbon picture was really important that they were of similar size, system and land type to their neighbours neighbors in the area. So that's a representative of, of the local um, local farmers. And regular updates for all of these farms are published on the Future Beef section of the Chagas web, website for each farm. So in relation to my own role, I'm a technical advisor on the programme. So I'm based mainly with the farms in the southwest. And Gabriel shares with my counterpart up in the northwest. And Martina Harrington then is our programme manager as she covers the southeast end of the country. And our role as advisors is to visit these farms every month and to work with their with the farmer and their local advisor to improve the financial, environmental and the social sustainability in the farms. And these can really, like, they're extremely beneficial in an area and show how small changes um, will make more more money on their farm, but will also reduce their impact on the environment to help us meet our climate targets as an industry. And they'll be able to, to showcase this through a combination of farm walks, discussion group visits, and through our media publications, as I mentioned already. That's great altogether. Now, turning to shed management over the winter, today we're going to discuss, I believe, in some detail, shed management over the winter, which is very important from a stock and a farmer perspective. Now, animal comfort, animal welfare, in relation to lying space, how much space do cattle need in sheds when you're overwintering them, Ashling? Yeah, really good question, John. And like, it's so important for cattle over the winter period, as you say, from an animal welfare point of view, and also from a performance point of view. And just because, like, that they might look warm and cosy in a pen together, doesn't actually mean that they're performing well. So, work in Chagas Grange and across the world has shown there's actually 20 kilo difference in carcass weight of 650 to 700 kilos for steers that are housed from two to between from a difference of a minimum of two meters squared to three meters squared. And it's a very simple thing to do to measure up the lying space in your shed. So you just get the, the length and the width of your pen and multiply them then to get the area. And then you divide by the recommended space allowance for each animal category. So obviously we're going to have different ages and weights of stock in sheds. Um, so there, there's various recommendations for them. So if we're looking at suckler cows, they'll need about three metres squared on flats and they'll need an extra four. So they'll need four to five metres squared then on straw. Um, calves that are under 220 kilos will need 1.7 metres squared, ideally on straw bedding. Um, wheelings that are under 300 kilos will need 1.35 metres squared on flats, but this will increase to 2.4 metres squared on straw. And then heavier weanlings between 310 to 450 will need 1.75 metres squared on flats and 2.7 metres squared on straw. And then finishing cattle, and this is really the most important one. Well, they're all important, but very important for performance and a financial point of view. They will need at least 2.7 metres squared on flats and 4 metres squared then um, on straw to allow for an increase in growth over the finished period. And this is what people forget about. So when they're going into the sheds, they're a certain size. And once they go up onto finishing diets, they grow very quickly and need that extra space for, for comfort. So feeding space is important too. So what overall recommendations would you have regarding feeding space uh, in indoor housing? Yeah, so it completely depends on what you're actually feeding, whether that's ad-lib silage, if you might be restricting good quality silage for um, for suckler cows, um, or if you're feeding rations. So in terms of if you're feeding cows and they're on ad-lib, ad-lib silage, they need somewhere between 0.4 to 0.5 metres of headspace. And if they're on restricted silage, or maybe they might be getting a bit of ration if they're finishing or if they're autumn cows, they need between 0.6 to 0.7 metres of headspace. Um, if we're looking at finishing cattle, they need somewhere between 0.4 to 0.5 metres if they're getting ad-lib silage. 
and in most cases they'll probably be getting rationed as well. Um, they're going to need between 0.6 to 0.65 metres per head. If we go to our light stores then, they're going to need 0.25 to 0.3 metres if they're on ad-lib silage. And if they, again, if they're on restricted silage, which really they probably shouldn't be, our ration is between 0.5 to 0.6 metres. And if we look at our wainlands then over the winter, they need 0.225 metres to, to 3 metres, sorry, to 0.3 metres headspace um, for ad-lib silage. And if they're on ration, then they need between 0.4 and 0.5 metres. So it is important just to, to measure up the seed barriers. And what a lot of farmers might do is they might be able to feed from two sides of the pen. And that obviously increases seed space then straight away. So it is a simple thing to fix or else just by reducing the numbers in the pen. Some great detailed information there, Ashling. Now, turning to airspace, um, you've got a balance there between airspace, air circulation, and uh, avoiding drafts and uh, all that type of thing. But to try and make sure you have air circulation, animals have access to fresh air, but at the same time, they're not in a draft. So that's a tricky balance in some ways. So to phrase that question, airspace is another important factor from the animal health and uh, welfare perspective. How would you assess this if possible to do so? Yeah, really good question, John. And it is possible to calculate it. It's a little bit tricky, as you say. There's a lot of factors involved. So you can calculate the shed ventilation from a number of measurements. Um, and this includes the air inlet. So we need to see where this is coming into the shed. And really, this should be twice the outlet, except for calves, because as you say, we want to avoid drafts. Um, we also need to calculate what the air outlet is. So any gaps that are in the, the shed for air to travel out. The number of cattle in the shed will actually have an influence as well on what their weights are. And then the floor and the actual physical airspace that's available. So there's a lot in that. Um, so it can be done, but a much simpler method is, of doing it is doing a smoke bomb test. So these are little pellets, I suppose, for want of a better description, that can be bought in most hardware stores. You can set them alight and then move them around the shed um, to, to access as much of the shed as possible. And the smoke that's coming out of it should typically clear in about two to three minutes. But if it does not, you probably have a ventilation issue. Um, they can also be useful to show the airflow. So, for example, this is actually carried out in one of our future beef farmers up in Tipperary. And the shed was so high that the smoke never actually reached the top outlet. And it actually circled back onto the cattle. So th- there wasn't enough heat being generated from the cattle, we'd say, to push it up that high. And again, because it was so high, it just didn't quite reach it. And you can think of the smoke really as representing the stale air and diseases that builds up in sheds. And if fresh air isn't circulating and pushing this out with your bugs, there is a greater chance of it affecting animal health and you run into disease problems and issues over the winter. Some of the options available to improve ventilation, you know, vented sheeting, but you might give an overall view about some of the ways to counteract um, what appears to be negative outcomes from your smoke bomb tests, etc., etc. So what are some of the options available to improve uh, healthy, proper ventilation? Yeah, so we can improve the inlets, where, where, which is where the air travels into the shed, through the likes of vented sheeting. Now, some people think this is great, but there's actually only 15% porosity on average in vented sheeting. And I suppose one of the other benefits is it provides a little bit of light in the shed. But this porosity can range somewhere between 6 to 22%. So there's a huge range in it. Um, Yorkshire Borden is extremely good. So that has 20 to 25% porosity. Um, in general across the board and the way that it's kind of laid out prevents any drafts coming in on cattle as well. Um, They're typically green but the gale breakers can also be used and they actually have 35% porosity so again some of them are in use on the future beef farms and they work really really well and again prevent drafts. 
some of the other farmers to improve ventilation, they just very simply just cut slits in the side sheeting. Now, I would um, advise to have a proper calculation done on that because, again, you can end up with an issue with a draft or it might have been the inlet that was the problem in the first place. So better safe than sorry when they're, when they're cut. It's not too easy to put them back in. Or you could very simply just put push out the sheeting at the bottom of the wall as well. Again, just to let a little bit of air in underneath um, underneath the sheeting and between the wall. And again, it isn't causing a, a draft. Um, on the flip side then, to improve the air outlet, so where the air, air can escape from the shed. Some people can use raised sheeting on it if they have a round roof shed. Um, there's also space sheeting if it's a flat roof shed. You can have um, a vent at the top of the, the shed roof, which is very common. Or you can cut slits higher up in the sheeting as well. So as I said, I, I'd avoid doing that until the actual calculation is done. And in most cases, especially with the Tams Grand Shed now, um, there would be a gap between just the bottom of the roof and, and where the sheeting starts then to, to sheet down the side of the shed. So again, they're, they're all very useful, but the most important thing is just to check that you don't accidentally cause a draft and um, to make sure that you're correct, correcting the actual issue that, that, that's affecting the shed. This year in particular, we might imagine that animals are going into sheds earlier. So a lot of time is spent in sheds over the winter period normally, but especially with stock house earlier than normal this year. What are some of the other things to consider? Yeah, so in my opinion, John, safety is number one, and really it's from a farmer perspective. So whatever it is that you that a farmer can do to make their job safer and easier over the winter. So, you know, a good motto is work smarter, not harder, but do it safely while you're at it. Um, and some of these examples could be having the correct lighting in your shed, having escape pens set up in cabin pens, um, taking precautions to avoid splits, so you could have grooved concrete there, or maybe there's a, a water leak or a uh, water source that's causing extremely slippy floors, so it could be a matter of fixing that. Um, ensuring that shed gutters are secure and un- unblocked. Having safety guards on all PTOs and equipment, and particularly on diet feeders over the winter period. Simple things like just keeping your yard tidy, as you say, is common sense as well. Um, ensuring that gates, doors and seed barriers are secure. So the last thing you want is, is a big five or 600 kilo animal coming out on top of you when you're feeding them. And just checking the sheds are, are overall in good repair. And to be fair, there's good options available for, for correcting any of them issues. So TAMS grants are there and they're between 40 and 60 percent. Um, and depending on whether it's a young farmer or an older farmer, if you're in organics, if you're in the, the women's grant for that as well. Um, and they cover a range of safety measures, so I'm only going to mention a few here, but there's loads there. Um, so you can replace hinged doors with sliding or roller doors to make them safer. You can replace slats. Unfortunately, we all hear the horror stories over over the winter where cattle fall in and have to be rescued due to, to older damaged slats that look fine at the top, but they're actually um, they're fading away underneath. Um, you can get meal bins, so that might save somebody in terms of carrying buckets and that up and down um, different parts of the yard. You can get gutters as well for rainwater harvesting from sheds. Um, from a handling facilities point of view, there's plenty of cattle crushes there, and they include the head gates, the anti-barking bars, the head scoops. If there's an issue with the electrical wiring in that, you can actually get a grant for rewiring existing farm buildings, um, for yard lights, for livestock cameras, and loads more. So if you think there's anything that is relevant to, to your own farmer, that it is important to talk to your advisor and see if some of the options might suit you. And, like, really, at the end of the day, nobody knows the farm better than the person managing it. And this is usually a great thing in ways, but if there's extra help around at weekends or during the holidays, do they know if there's a knack for, for opening an awkward gate or door? Or do they know about the slippy surface outside of the shed if it's dark? 
and sometimes a fresh pair of eyes is a huge asset for pointing out these hazards um, that are passed every day. So for, for farmers, it's not to be afraid to get a second opinion from family or a friend around the yard and see what areas they can improve for, for their own welfare as well as everybody else's. Thank you indeed very much, Ashley, for all the preparation work, for all the work you put into preparing that information. Ms. Ashley Malloy, Future Beef Programme Advisor, Chagas Sandfield, Bellevue, Mallow and County Cork. Thank you, Ashley, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, Mr. Fionn Russell, Bachelor of Agricultural Science and also a member of the Agricultural Consultants Association. First of all, Fionn, welcome to the programme. Now, you co-authored a very interesting paper on farm use and forestry in the role of farming in Ireland with your um, colleague Andy Dunn. Would you please outline to our listeners the title of this paper on land use and indeed how listeners may access it and one or two of the main points, the main thrust of your paper. Thank you. Well, the, the, the title of the paper is Putting Landowners for, for Front and Centre and it's in relation to, to forestry. And it's, it's, it's published through the uh, Agricultural Consultants Association. Um, and um, it, the... the the Agricultural Consultants Association represents uh, maybe 200, approximately 200 members, and that includes forestry consultants, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of the foresters. And uh, the ACA provides advisory ser- services to about 55,000 farmers, which makes it the largest advisory service I- I- in the country, so it's well, well placed to engage with farmers. I think um, we're probably all aware that there has been some shortfall in forestry planting in recent times, and that's really... What we're in this paper, we're, we're looking at those shortfalls and how they might be addressed. Now, many Irish farmers will say, look, there's so much bureaucracy for us. If we are interested in uh, farm forestry, there's so much bureaucracy. But I think the role of bureaucracy, time and again, uh, Minister of State Pippa Hackett has come under um, criticism for the role of um, bureaucracy. And even if you want to do some thinning, you need a licence, whereas in our neighbours in Scotland, apparently you don't need a licence, even though they're outside the European Union after Brexit. But in terms of what should be done, what do you feel would be the key to achieving the objectives set out in your paper? Well, I think we can really only talk about farmers and the farmers that we represent in the Agricultural Consultants Association. What's happening outside is really not a lot we can do about it. Um, But I suppose one thing is to recognise is that nearly all of the land that's privately owned and suited to a forestation, is owned by farmers. So if we don't engage with farmers, there's going to be very little happening in forestry, and we won't reach the targets that we're expecting to reach. So forestry is, is obviously a very, very important um, driver of the, uh, in getting towards carbon neutrality. And if we're going to reach the targets, we have to acknowledge this, and we have to engage more with farmers in order to achieve that. Now, looking at what the Minister is doing at the moment, looking at what the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine is doing at the moment, and particularly we focus in on Minister of State Pippa Hackett, compared to what's being done now, can you suggest one or two steps which would at least set us on the road to achieving what you would regard as a forester as the correct way of uh, combating global warming and uh, gases and all this stuff. So one or two suggestive steps for Minister of State Pippa Hackett if she's listening or members of the government or local TDs are listening. Well, look, it's well established what we need to achieve. We need to achieve around 16,000 hectares, depending on what paper you read. 
So we need to plant 16,000 hectares every year for the next, say, 20 years or more, up to 2050. Um, in order to achieve that, we cannot continue doing what we've been doing up to this. We have to look at it differently. And as I said earlier, we need to engage with the people who actually own the land, that is, foresters. So it's well documented that there's enough sufficient land out there to reach the type of targets we need to reach without um, impinging in any way on, on, on the agricultural production. There are lots of farmers who want to engage in for, forestry, but we have to engage with them in, in, in the correct way. And the way we suggest is that on a one-to-one type basis, you have to get down and actually go and meet, meet, the, uh, meet the, the, the owners. And they have to be comfortable with what they're doing. They have to be comfortable that they're getting into some kind of a, a land use that they have control over. And really the main suggestion, if there was a suggestion in this, in this paper, uh, the main message to get across is to make it easier for farmers to get involved in forestry. There's quite a bit of bureaucracy in, uh, involved in, in, in forestry at the moment. We, we would contend that there's less involved in farming and that forestry needs to be, and it's an important point this, that forestry needs to be seen as farm forestry. It needs to be seen as a farming enterprise, similar to any other uh, endeavour that farmers would get involved in in farming. And making that change and that distinction would kick forestry into a into a different into a different regulatory system, and we might we we wouldn't have the need, for example, for the licensing, or we'd have less need for the licensing. Just to take one short extract from your press release issued recently, back on 15th of November 2023, the ACA, Agricultural Consultants Association, you're calling for a full integration of farming and forestry. In essence, a farmer growing barley is in a different world to a farmer tending his or her 20-year-old oak trees, yet both are raising crops and following the same principles of agronomy. So you really want to make forestry a real farm enterprise, as you more or less said more than once in our conversation. Exactly. I think that's the key thing. Make it easier for, for, for farmers to manage their forests and to plant new forests. Like, um, the, like forestry and, and agriculture haven't always sat together too evenly, too nicely. And there has been a certain antipathy for farmers towards forestry. And we need to try and somehow break that down. It's not going to happen overnight. It's something that we need to work on. And, but farmers have to be comfortable that if they're getting into forestry, they can manage it in a similar way that they would manage any of their farm enterprises. You reckon 17% uh, should be used for forestry. And again, the question often comes up. You have commercial, quick-growing forestry of Sitka spruce, and yet you have the deciduous um, broadleaf trees as opposed to the coniferous ones. So what percentage of land mass ideally would you, as an ACA member, see as, uh, you know, meeting our carbon emission targets and bringing farming into a more realistic, integrated situation in our country? Well, I, I think the figures are out there. I mean, we know we have to get the 17 or 18 percent of land, of land cover for forestry in the country. We're currently at 11. And as I said at the outset, the only place we're going to get this land is from private land, essentially owned by farmers. So, we, again, it's, it's back to the same point. We re- need to engage and re-engage with farmers because it's the only place to go, really, if we're going to plant new land. 
And again, it's found in various surveys, uh, often in speaking to listeners and farmers, many farmers are very willing and very eager to plant forestry. Again, there is a residual feeling that if you go into forestry, that's a failing. But in the current world where pressure is on, emissions, etc., and farming and methane emissions, forestry is no longer a sign that, well, farmers have, people have failed at real farming, we go into forestry. Well, that message has to be got out there. I mean, I mean I'm, I've been involved in the afforestation scheme for 25 years or more, and even yet, farmers would say to me, oh, look, at um, planting the land is seen as a, as a last resort, or it's a waste of good land to be getting into, you know, to be planting trees on it. And I suppose we have to look back historically, and there, was, there has been that difference and that, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, um, opinion that, uh, that the farming people would have towards forestry. But, like, they have a very strong kind of, well, you know, they have an emotional connection with the land. And uh, that has to be acknowledged. And, you know, if you have land that you've inherited, let's say, down the generations, you want to do the right thing by the land. You want to ensure that you'll, you're going to um, get involved in, in an enterprise that, that, doesn't, that doesn't in some way uh, undermine the... the, the let's say, what went before and, and also the, the financial viability of the land in the future. So it's important to recognise that. And, and, and therefore, the, we believe in the ACA that the only way forward really is to work with farmers on a one-to-one basis through, through the advisors who are tried and trusted advisors for these individuals. So when they do engage with somebody, they feel comfortable in going ahead with the, with the planting and in, with the assurance that they will benefit from all the future, um, uh, let's say, pluses for, uh, that forestry has, such as carbon sequestration and um, um, uh, environmental benefits, etc. And they should be, like, they need to be monetized. Those those, those items, like, uh, not just not just kind of uh, like uh, some kind of, um, uh, you know, an altruistic kind of a, a, um, a gesture on the part of the farmer. There has to be real returns for, for engaging and planting land. And again, Fionn, one aspect of forestry is once you plant a tree, once you plant a tree, well then, when you fell that tree, it must be replaced by another tree. So that's something to consider if you take the decision to go into forestry, well, it's not something you can decide, well, next in five or six years or next year we'll change your crops. It's a great commitment if you enter forestry, well, then you, you can't cut a tree without replacing it. That's that's true. I mean, that's the law as it stands, and maybe that should that, that needs to be revisited. But really, what what we're doing in this paper is um, we're, we're trying to make suggestions, and we're open to to maybe working with the department in in putting forward solutions rather than uh, and and obviously that's one of the things that's often raised is that the obligation to replant the land after the trees are felled. Various surveys have shown that. Planting the correct uh, type of tree can be the most effective way of keeping to our emission uh, targets and uh, making the world a healthier place. So replenishing forests, particularly native species, native species, broad-leafed, deciduous uh, trees, again, all of this is taking place in our small island against the background of where there's massive deforestation in a very malignant way going on in Brazil. They say it slowed down a bit this year, but still the wholesale burning down of forests in Brazil and the ecosystems with them, 
to be replaced by cattle and that thin surface soil will be blown away after a few years? Well, again, we, we can only look after what we can look after ourselves within our own country. And um, I think the targets are there. We know that we need to be planting up to as much as 16,000 hectares per annum. We're currently not doing it, so we need to find ways uh, to overcome that so as we, as, as Ireland, can be carbon neutral. So we, we need to be able to take as much carbon out of the atmosphere as we're putting into it ourselves before we, we go looking maybe at other countries. And we're a good bit away from that at the moment. And we know that, as I said earlier, most, or nearly all of the land in the country is owned by farmers. And we need to work with farmers. Farmers are going to be planting on a smaller scale. Therefore, in our view, they should be treated differently. There has to be a proportionality there. Like farming forestry, as I said earlier, farm forestry must come under, let's say, the same regulation as farming, not under the, under the much more onerous reg, um, legislation which involves licensing. So that's the big difference here, the big message that we're trying to get across. We, we, like obviously farmers need to be encouraged to get involved in forestry and they will be encouraged. The, the, the regulation, and it'll be ma- uh, if it's made easier for them, they'll have mo- they're more, going to be more likely to get involved. Speaking to Mr. Fionn Russell, Bachelor of Agricultural Science and a member of ACA, Fionn, you might just please mention the name of the person who co-authored this paper with you and something, just a, a brief kind of potted history of ACA, what ACA actually is and does to help um, agriculture. The ACA is the Agricultural Consultants Association. Uh, it was established in 1976 and it represents independent agricultural consultants and uh, there are various criteria for membership all members must have a a level 8 degree um, and uh, there are currently 200 members or so in the organisation both agricultural consultants and forestry consultants Um, agricultural consultants operate at farm level and are well placed to promote uh, forestry as discussed earlier Um, they provide advisory service to 55,000 farmers, so that's, not, that's no small amount of farmers. And uh, that they're, they're, as I say, they're well placed to, in, to, to encourage forestry. And it, it, just to, to mention, the, the, um, the author of this, or the co-author of this, this paper, is Andy Dunn, and that's Dr. Andy Dunn. I have to, have to take my hat off to him. Um, but uh, like Andy and I and other members of the, of the association have discussed this issue up and down for over, over many months and years. And this is the culmination. This paper is the culmination uh, of our of our deliberations over over that period of time. Um, it's available on on the agricultural uh, a, sorry the ACA website. Uh, the full paper is available on, on on the website. And just again, looking at your tremendous uh, press release, there's so much information there. It's almost like the paper itself, and I've tried to pick out the salient features. But for people who have a specific professional interest or who are considering uh, farming, I'll just read out this link, which may help people link up, because uh, farmers in the slightly older age brackets are a bit averse to using the Internet. But i just quote this. The link is to ACA Forestry Policy Paper, hyphen, urgent rethink of forestry framework needed as targets continue to fall short and that's available on the ACA website. So thank you very much indeed Mr Fionn Russell, Bachelor of Agricultural Science of course to your colleague Dr Andy Dunn, PhD. I understand between the two of you, you have 
approaching 60 years of collective experience working <laughs> in the sectors. You've achieved an awful lot of uh, data and information in terms of forestry. Thanks very much, John. Appreciate it. So thank you very much, Dee, Mr. Fionn Russell, Bachelor of Cultural Science and a member of ACA, and to your colleague, Dr. Andy Dunn, PhD. Thank you very much, Dee, and we hope that... Um, Someone in the political field will pass the message along to the Minister and, uh, where possible, if slight changes can be made to promote forestry, well then, you know, let's hope it will be done. But in the meantime, people with an interest in forestry, to be better informed, should access your paper. The paper's actually entitled, quote, Putting Landowners Front and Centre. Thank you very much, Neil Fionn. Thanks a million. Thank you. You're very welcome. And that's our Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to everyone who contributed to the programme this week, not least our guests and particularly Barry O'Mahony, 96 and C103, Head of News, Mairead Tuig, 96 and C103, News Reporter, and also for creating the podcast every week, the Farm Talk podcast. Thank you, Mairead. The Farm Talk programme, 7am to 8am on Saturday mornings and repeats on Wednesday evening, 10pm to 11pm. A special word of appreciation and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.